Hey, 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 what's going on, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Hey, it is Tuesday. I am Tawana, your host of this weekly moment of building community, just having conversation and dialogue the best we can. One moment, one story, one experience, one feeling at a time. Good morning, Mother. Always good to see you. Thank you for your prayers and holding me up during these times. I'm so grateful, so grateful. So yeah, we we uh we're on part three of domestic violence awareness. We are dedicating Tuesdays with Tawana uh, every Tuesday for the month of October to domestic violence awareness. We will have some conversation around breast cancer awareness because I bring my full self to this moment. And how can I not bring my full self without talking about being a survivor and thriver of both uh, domestic violence and uh, breast cancer? Hey, Bobby, good to see you, my friend. Um, so yeah, so let's let's get started. Hey, brother, always good to see you. Thank you for joining me every Tuesday and for your love and support. Cordio is in the building. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to see you. Glad you are here to build community. And again, just engage in the comments. Um, I will uh, read your comments, insert your comments and your presence into this narrative because. It's not about me just imparting this beautiful wisdom. It is about us engaging in this dialogue so we can uh, stop the violence and end the silence. <laughs> My whole shirt wouldn't fit in. So when, when we talk about it, we, we bring awareness. And when we are aware and cognizant and have a consciousness then we can face it to fix it. We can put things together to try to uh, fix whatever the, the challenge is. Hey, Mama Lovey, always good to see you pop up on my screen. Much love to you. So uh, one, let, let me start by saying, um, yes, this is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I just need to name something in this moment before we move on to domestic violence. There are so many different types of cancer that impact the Black diaspora disproportionately, um, whether it's due to lack of health care, lack of access, um, doctors not really understanding who we be and, and our family history, not knowing our own family history as it relates to, to health and any type of health challenges that are prevalent in, in family history and family lines. Um, so hashtag cancer cannot um, is growing into a, a movement, into a program under Soul to Soul Sisters where we really talk about these challenges, these health challenges as it relates to cancer and the disproportionate rates that we are impacted and dying from cancer. 
And I keep saying the word because I need to name it to take its power away, to uh, insert a narrative that we make, we create um, life in the midst of some harrowing times. We experience life in the midst of some trying times because cancer is quite daunting. It can be scary. It can be brutal and disrespectful on the body. And so you run the gamut of those who are diagnosed and and have treatment and survive for 30 years. And then you have others who are diagnosed and are quickly, quickly succumb to the challenges of cancer and or treatment. So I just pause to... um, to honor those who are living in the midst of all of this, family members, friends, caregivers, um, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Um, I was talking with family this morning and I was saying that um, I have several doctor's appointments today. And the first response was, you know, is everything okay? And I said, yeah, this is just my life. I got to follow up and follow through with um, with doctors and, and to make sure that I, I am okay. You know, I just, it's not just your typical. It's not just, do you guys hear me? I just got a message saying that my broadcast stopped. So just give me a thumbs up or something and let me know that you hear me. Hey, Jackie, blessings to you, sister. Um, yeah, let me know if something has stopped. It seems to still be going on my end, but I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. Um, so wherever we are on that, that spectrum, um, it is important for us to acknowledge and honor those who are, um, okay. Awesome. Thank you, Mother Carolyn. Um, honor those who are dealing, um, with cancer on so many different levels. Um, And we gotta talk about it to bring awareness so we can be advocates for ourselves. Oh, okay, it froze for a second. Okay, awesome, I'm glad I'm back. Um, We need to uh, really have these conversations uh, to bring awareness. So that's my PSA for Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Cancer Cannot. Hey, Angela, good to see you, beloved. Um, So let's talk about, so last week, uh, part two, we we talked about, um, of course, domestic violence. And toward the end of the broadcast, I talked about uh, the possibility of us talking about the perpetrators, right? And we, I do want to talk about that. And I need to name right now that I am wrestling and struggling with that. And let me tell you why. I'm going to give you an an example. So we do uh, racial justice work with Soul to Soul Sisters, right? So we realize that the BIPOC community, Black, Indigenous, people of color, have a role to play in their own healing and, and, and dealing with layers of trauma. And then white people have a responsibility to dismantle and deconstruct that which they have built 
It is not our responsibility as the BIPOC community. We, we, can, we can insert our narrative, make our voices heard through protests, through voting, through presence, through making sure that um, organizations and companies are supporting the BIPOC community and leadership. The list goes on and on and on. But it is definitely um, white people's responsibility to deconstruct and de- um, deconstruct and dismantle white privilege and dominant white thought and white supremacy, right? So I want to use a similar example with um, with domestic violence as well. Um, mm. Mama Lovey says, woke up this morning with heavy hearts for victims and survivors of DV, thinking about the pain and darkness that they are facing um, today. Pray, pray, pray that God will give them just a bit of hope, much love and strength today. Thank you, Mama Lovey. You are on point and let's, let's stay on that vein. Um, one of the challenges that I have is um, my, my role, what I believe my role is, is to tell my story so that someone might have hope to get out of their domestic violence relationship and get out of their domestic violence relationship in a way that is safe, safe for them, safe for their family, safe for their friends, safe for their children, that they have some semblance of hope, that they are not hopeless, that they don't give up, that they don't think that this is their fault, that they are less than, or they demean themselves or feel guilty or feel shame. We want to remove all of those stigmas so that someone has the strength to then move into a place of wholeness and a place of safety, right? So my role in telling my story and sharing how I had to put a safety plan together, and we'll go into that in a minute, but um, sharing my story so that people know that it there is a way out. There is a way to 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 be safe and and to escape the hands of the perpetrator. My challenge today in talking about the perpetrator is similar to uh, BIPOC people having their healing work to do, white people having their job to dismantle that which they started. It is really up to the perpetrator to get the help that they need, right? It's really up to those who either have been perpetrators or feel called to lead, to minister, to serve, to get help for the the perpetrator. Everything just ain't for everybody, right? Um, Mother Carolyn said this past week, my neighbor was killed by her boyfriend and then he killed himself. She took her children to her mother. She said she was scared of him and she was dead the next day. My God, today, let us hold space for that, for that family, for it's real stories, beloveds, real stories. So there's a both and that has to happen here, both for the the victim or survivor, because we know we've experienced that once we leave 
a, a domestic violence relationship, that it's only the beginning. It's the beginning of rebuilding, of healing, of therapy, of relocating, of remaining safe, remaining wise, and, and continuing to take care of self. And then on the flip side of that, this both and, some things somewhere, somehow has to happen with the perpetrator, whether it's counseling, whether it's incarceration, whether it's rehabilitation, whether it's whatever, whatever needs to happen in that healing moment for that perpetrator to say, I have a problem and I am willing to go through these 12 steps in order to heal and get better so that I will never, ever, ever, ever put someone's life in danger ever again. I will never put my hands on my partner ever again. I will never manipulate my partner ever again because there is some stuff, some shit that I got to deal with myself. Like my parents, I may have grown up in a home that was riddled with domestic violence. I may have some insecurities and some, some, some life experiences that have caused me not making excuses, but we got to understand what is the intent, what is happening underneath to cause someone to behave in such a violent way that they not only kill their partner, but they kill themselves. How do we then do a both and, right? Last year, um, I think it was last year when I was still in Denver, um, Pastor Big T, most of you know Pastor Big T um, because we prayed for him in the midst of his COVID um, journey and, and he's healing and um, home and, and doing, doing well. Um, he preached both to the victim and the perpetrator. Because as, as a pastor, there are times we don't really get to pick and choose who we minister to, right? Um, so he, he preached healing to both the perpetrator and the victim. And I thought that that was very, very brave of him to, to, to do. Um, Mother Carolyn said, thank you for naming the struggle to talk about the perpetrator and see them as human. It's, it, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. So when, when I left my um, domestic violence relationship, it took me about a few years before I got to the place of, of forgiveness, realizing that I never had to lay eyes on him again. I never had to talk to him again, but I had to find that forgiveness for me and in my heart so that I can walk away with a clean heart and a renewed spirit that I can love again, that I could um, start the healing process so that it didn't fester in my body and manifest in different ways where I may have taken it out on loved ones or friends or colleagues and coworkers. So I had to do some internal work and some healing for myself, right? So how do we get to a point or how does one get to a point where the, the perpetrator um, receives that healing and has an opportunity to experience transformation and can, you know, right the wrongs and turn from their manipulative ways and 
become um, a life giver um, and not an abuser or the taker of one's life. And, and we know, you know, incarceration may not be the answer, but unfortunately it is an answer. Um, incarceration used to have some semblance of rehabilitation in it where, you know, people were able to go to school and receive therapy and, and come out to be, you know, great citizens and blah, blah, blah. And that's probably for a different podcast outside of this moment. But what what happens? How do we then um, create space for the perpetrator in order to save the lives of victims um, and the children and the family members? And the list goes on and on and on. Right. And that's a struggle for me. That's a struggle for me because I truly believe that it is a calling that some may have, and it's a both and. Both sides need to be um, healed in order to end. Because if we focus on one side, then there's an imbalance of energy. There's an imbalance. The equilibrium is not there. Um, it's not a balance like a scale, but there has to be some sort of ebb and flow of, of equilibrium and where something rises to a salient moment that needs dire attention. And then something else may rise up that needs dire attention, like if the victim is in danger of losing their lives or if the perpetrator um, is having this extreme manic episode, which puts people in danger and it needs to be addressed um, right away. So it's a both and that's happening here. And, and I dare not offer, um, I wish, as I always say, I wish there was like a 10 step plan to, um, to address these things and there isn't. It's really about experience. It's really about the moment. It's really about honoring human beings and what will it take to keep folks safe and to keep folk um, in a space of, of protection, minimizing the risk. So let's talk about safety plans for a moment. Um, my, my, heart, I, my heart is just going out, mother, to the, 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 the neighbor that you just mentioned. Um, Because there were times when you seem to do all the the right things, and it still ends up in tragic results. Um, we see that with domestic violence. We see that with um, terminal illnesses. You know, you do all the right things, and someone still succumbs to the violence or the disease. So it's so important um, that we acknowledge the different ways that people can remain safe. It's a calling indeed to help the perpetrator in their healing process. And there are times we are called to find grace for the perpetrator while we try to protect the victim and the struggle is real. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a hard conversation. It's a hard conversation. And in the midst of that, um, 
I, you know, I had to learn to, to let go of, of that hate for me. Right. I, I had to let go of that hate. Hey, Jonathan. Oh, yes. The both and. Oh, you're a gift, Jonathan. You are a gift, just a gift in my world. And I'm so grateful. But the both and um, it's it's not linear. It's not one way. Um, it's It's several paths. Um, on this journey of healing. And one includes um, having a safety plan. And oftentimes we find that domestic violence victims or those who are in domestic violence relationships really don't know the options that they have, right? Like Mama Lovey mentioned earlier, she just prayed that they have some hope. Those options offer hope. They might be scary and it might be risky, but those options offer some semblance of hope. For instance, to build a safety plan, the hotline.org and, and other Safe Horizon and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, all of them on their website, um, they have uh, uh, ways to, to put together a safety plan. So what is a safety plan? A safety plan is meticulously planning a way to escape your abuser in a way that is most safe for you and for those around you. So one of the complexities with domestic violence is it's not just about me leaving the home, right? Um, we, My ex-husband and I, we didn't have children together, so I didn't have to worry about children together, but I had to be concerned about my children. So much so that I missed my daughter's baby shower because he sent me a threat saying, if I come to New York, blah, 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 back in 2009 not too long ago, right? So a safety plan is not only for self, but it's also for family and friends. For instance, uh, domestic violence tends to be very isolating. The abuser tends to isolate the victim, the abused, right? So usually it's it's very isolated and 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 the abuser knows all of your family and all your friends and where they live and their address and where they work. So when you leave, how do you then control the safety of others when your partner who is involved in intimate partner violence knows all about your world? Where do you go? that can be a very, very lonely feeling. Mama Lovey says, holding close to my heart, those precious children who now have lost both parents. My God, Jesus in your mercy. Jesus. My brother says that spiritual domestic violence involves preventing um, you from having your own opinion about religion and cultural beliefs. Absolutely. You better speak that, Larry. Spiritual domestic violence is real and it is a thing for sure. Um, attempting to cause shame is a large part of the spiritual abuse and preventing people from practicing their religious and cultural beliefs. Yes, it's power and control. You hit it right on, brother. It is power and control by any means necessary. So when you go to a a a, a, a church or, or a religious institution and, and your partner goes to that same religious institution, what does a safety plan look like? 
when you work um, in a place where your partner knows all your coworkers and knows your hours, what does a safety plan look like? What does a safety plan look like when you grew up in the same neighborhood for 20, 30, 40 years and where do you go and how do you protect your family and your friends? What does a safety plan look like? What does a safety plan look like when you have children and, and that's the father or mother of their children and you have to take them away and, and hope that the, the partner doesn't get, the, the parent doesn't get in touch with the children and the children feel bad and they say, okay, well, you can come and we're staying at. What does a safety plan look like? Yeah, Whew. I suffered spiritual domestic violence, uh, tried explaining that to others, um, almost impossible. Thank you for sharing, Andrew, I appreciate you. Mother Carolyn says, say that for the people in the back, spiritual domestic, domestic violence, Lord help us now. Um, you just said uh, a mouthful, yes, Larry, you, you opened the door. It's real. And then we wonder how and why churches then or religious institutions, not just churches, but religious institutions use sacred text in order to shame the victim. What does a safety plan look like, beloved, when you can't even go to your religious institution for help and support? What does a safety plan look like when the car is registered in your partner's name or the house is registered in your partner's name or the bank accounts are joint account. What does a safety plan look like? How do we invoke? How do we call upon? How do we enliven? How do we bring to life safety for our beloveds, especially in the midst of COVID? Come on, somebody. Spiritual domestic violence is when the spiritual leader tells the woman to go back to her partner because the Bible says she's supposed to stay. Come on, what does a safety plan look like? It looks like community. It looks like support. It looks like staying off of social media. It may look like relocating. It may look like changing your name, changing your job. It may look like having to stay in a shelter. It may look like moving across country. It may look like leaving churches. It may look like leaving your family and friends behind. My God, today, begin with mandatory training for clergy. The difficult part of that is when some clergy are guilty of the violence themselves. Come on in the room today. What does a safety plan look like? Think about it. It's not, again, it's not step one, step two, step three. I wish it were. You know, it may look like having a, a bag of, of 
you know, your papers and, and a toothbrush and an outfit um, stored away at someone's home. It may look like investing in that open plane ticket. It may look like recording every conversation so that when you do go to the authorities, you have proof. It may be taking pictures on the low of your bruises, if there are bruises, visible bruises. A safety plan. Um, yeah, we need to talk more about that. What does it look like? And how do we then call when we're in a situation, a vulnerable situation, it takes people like us on this thread who have been through, who can then stand up for those who have been silenced. Calling in and calling out those clergy leaders who use sacred text to further victimize the victim. Community is a safe space and a healing presence. So creating that safety plan that includes a community that understands domestic violence and the privacy that is required. Make a friend no one else knows. Make sure they never meet your family or abuser. Listen, all this stuff is so meticulous, right? Yes. You know, connect with someone who's even a survivor that doesn't know your family or your partner so that they'll know how to navigate the safety plan to keep you and your beloved safe. And even that is still a risk. Beloved, there's a lot to talk about when we talk about domestic violence. And we talk about the complexities of domestic violence and we talk about the different types of domestic violence. Remember that even disconnected cell, phone, cell phones still allow you to call 911. That's what saved me, sis. I, I, when we had flip phones, <laughs> I, my nine button, if I held down the nine button, it called 911 without him even knowing. And then the police came knocking on my door and he was arrested. That's when I lived in Harlem. And that's just the beginning of my, my journey, right? It's the beginning of my journey. Jonathan says, body-based healing practice, walking, movement, nature, flowing streams, trauma touch therapy, um, time for healing and moving um, um, through the, the body, you know? Jonathan is, is very, um, just the whole uh, body trauma and, and, and dealing with body trauma through movement, through nature, through listening to the water, through letting the sun shine on you to do all, all of that in, in nature. And that is also a part of community. We talk about community not only being human partnerships, but really engaging in community with the trees and how we engage and, and do all of that and, and begin the process of healing and that process of hope that Mama Lovey talked about or Andre talked about, you know, that spiritual, the, the spiritual base that you need that's, that's, that's not contingent upon what 
the leader or clergy or pastor is trying to tell you where you know in your belly that something is just not right and being able to reach out to resources and folk that can bring you to safety. So two things before we close for today. This is our third session. If you missed the first two pieces, you can go on to Spotify, you can go on to my YouTube channel and check out the conversations that we've had about domestic violence. This is part three or four of Domestic Violence Awareness, um, Tuesdays with Tawana, dedicated to domestic violence awareness. Um, yeah, move away from self-blame, speak life over yourself. Yes, come on. Somebody is watching this. Somebody will be listening to this. Someone needs to hear this from survivors, from advocates, from supporters, from loved ones, from beloveds. Somebody needs to hear this. So we're going to keep reading these comments. Um, aftercare, respite care is so important to prevent returning to a situation that is familiar. Absolutely, LJ, you better speak that. Speak that. Yes, come on. There, there are ways that we can instill hope and peace and safety into our beloveds, and especially in the midst of COVID, because we don't get to lay eyes on folk the way we used to. We don't get to feel the energy the way we used to. They're, they're you know, coming to work, and if somebody is 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 in a a, a a bad way, you know, we may have been able to notice it before, and now, you know, everything, cameras are off, or I'm only showing face for Zoom calls. I put a smile on my face, everything is good. And when I log off, my partner is right there. Who was that on the on the call? Who was flirting with you? Why was he looking at you like that? What what did you do? Something as simple as that. So we're gonna talk more about um, safety plans. We're going to talk more about the perpetrator on next week, because again, as, as much as I struggle and grapple with it, this is what this moment is about, right? This moment is not about having all the answers. This moment is about exploring and going deeper and exploring community together so that we can come up with answers together, that we can offer a path of hope and, and safety and, and, and peace and protection where we can come together as a community and call people out on their heinous behavior from racism to disproportionate cancer diagnosis to domestic violence. Um, all of those things are happening in our communities where we are dying. We just heard a story and there are countless other stories of people being killed at the hands of their perpetrator. and we stop the violence and end the silence. We gotta talk about it. Let's continue to talk about it. LJ said, I wish community could, would come together and make escape backpacks for those who make it out when, when they have, when <laughs> make it out with nothing but themselves. That's a good idea, LJ, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So with that, um, please keep uh, survivors and victims in, in, in your prayers, um, perpetrators who will be delivered from this heinous behavior. Uh, Soul to Soul Sisters will be having a webinar on October 29th 
at five o'clock Eastern time, where we will uh, tell stories, her story about uh, domestic violence, domestic violence awareness, domestic violence survival. Um, so we'll we'll post that on social media and hopefully you can join us and I'll mention it again on next Tuesday. But I thank you for your your openness, your vulnerability. I thank you for naming the different types of of domestic violence from spiritual abuse to physical abuse, abuse, emotional abuse, um, financial abuse, emotional abuse, all of that. We hold space for those who are listening. who are in domestic violence relationships right now. Brother Jeff, I love you. Thank you for joining. We gotta talk about this, beloveds, in order to save lives because people are dying. Physically, mind and spirit. So we'll talk more about what safety plans look like. I just posited information just to show the complexities of a safety plan is not just about having, you know, the uh, uh, a step-by-step plan because sometimes those plans, they're not as linear as we would like them to be at all. Reverend Tanya Davis is in the building, absolutely. This is always a hard time of year. And I just, Reverend Tanya Davis um, stepped out on faith and was courageous when we did some domestic violence work at Shorter. And sometimes it'll just be the two of us in the room. And if I tell you that ministry blessed my life and gave me the strength to continue to move forward as a thriver because I had community holding my arms up and supporting me and they had my back. And I had people in the room that were willing to share their story. And we met in a private place, in a private location. And every year we would have um, an open session for family members, for friends, for whomever to come. Um, So Reverend Tanya Davis, thank you so much for your your courage and for just being a a beautiful sister in, in my world. I'm grateful. Share this. You never know who will be watching this. Share this. The number to the domestic violence hotline is always scrolling across. The website is always scrolling um, across. Um, uh, Those who are in domestic violence relationships, please be very careful. Clear your history. Clear your cache. If you're using a public computer or shared computer, delete um, phone numbers. If you happen to call the hotline, those are little things that you, you know, precautions must be taken in those, those areas because the perpetrator is very manipulative and searching and digging and looking for a reason to justify his or her abuse. So be careful, be mindful, breathe. Take a look at the different things that can be done to um, offer you an opportunity of hope and safety and well-being and escape. So I love you all. I thank you for joining me. I thank you for your comments. 
for sharing your stories, for sharing the stories of those who are no, can no longer speak because now their blood cries from the ground because we need to get justice for them so that they might rest in peace. Much love to all. Thank you again for joining. Thank you for grappling with me. Thank you for building community. One story, one moment, one exchange, one heart, one like at a time. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for praying for those victims and survivors and perpetrators. Thank you for speaking hope. Thank you for ideas, um, partnering to get uh, bags uh, for those who need to put together an escape plan. Thank you for calling out faith leaders who are further uh, perpetuating uh, the violence in, in from the home to the church. Um, Mother Carolyn, you are just thank you for being in my world and for journeying with me um, when I was escaping. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week as well as we talk about a safety plan and close out this segment. But domestic violence is 365 days a year, 24 by 7. So we got to talk about it outside of October. So hopefully this will plant some seeds for us to do more and to do greater and to bring awareness to such a heinous act that happens to our beloveds. And it's a both and. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. I love all of you dearly. I love you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for not leaving me out here by myself. Thank you for rocking with me. And don't forget, stop the violence and the silence, domestic violence awareness. Let's go. Let's make it happen, beloveds. I love you. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>